Hello, what is up? Is I, John, the nerdy. That is Britt the beautiful. <laughs> and welcome back to the Self Center Podcast. The only podcast, what am I saying? Where you can find nerdy stuff. Yep, that one. Yeah, we're the only one. Yep. No nerd fact strangers. Go listen to those. Um, <laughs> there's no cool kid tables. No Pokemon World Tour United or World Tour. Go check out those. There's certainly no Nintendo voice chat. Check out those. Look, I'm a podcast listener myself. Okay? But, okay, the, the joke is over. <laughs> Welcome to the self centered podcast. Listen, I'm not usually this chatty during the freaking Intro. start, but I am so excited about today's episode, because we get to talk about one of our favorite properties of all time. Which is Scooby-Doo, where are you? Now, starting in September of 69, Hanna-Barbera's beautiful, beautiful cast of simple characters has delighted generation after generation, scored hit after hit on each cartoon that they made, up until a certain point. Selma. <coughs> <coughs> We're not talking about that one. <laughs> um, and we're not talking about the live-action movies. <laughs> None of them. None of them. None of them are good. Like, here's the thing. You want to know which one to watch? Don't None. watch any of the live-actions. Watch all the cartoon ones. Um, they're all at least good, except maybe the WWE crossovers. I, I like the like, WWE crossovers. Look, I mean, they're fine. It's just... <laughs> Anyways, so we're getting off topic. Okay. Um, okay, so a couple of side notes, and I'm going to try to do these as quick as possible because I want to get into the episode quick here. So, we are going to be doing this if you listen to our SpongeBob Season 1, Volume 1. That's how we're going to do the Scooby-Doo series. Every once in a while, we're going to pull it back out and we're going to do a couple episodes at a time. <laughs> I think that it's a very good cartoon that keeps dynamic, despite being such an old cartoon. I can't wait for the next one, because I know so, what it is. Here's the thing. Scooby is made by Hanna-Barbera. This is the other point I wanted to make before we start this episode. This is not going to be a discussion on the genius writing behind the team of Hanna-Barbera, that will be its own episode down the line. Especially since that would be, we'd be talking way too long on that. Like, that would, if we talked about it as much as I think we could, we, that would probably be a two-parter. Right. And this is already going to be a standard-length episode, talking about these first two episodes. Um, I do think that some of the core strengths are right here in the first two episodes we're talking about today. And it'll get you guys excited to watch Scooby-Doo again, I hope. First of all, let's start off talking With about... episode one. What a night for a <laughs> night. Now, first of all, title cards in this series are beautifully painted. And each of them is kind of, if you've ever seen... The Looney Tunes style uh, title cards. I have, and they're pretty. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's always a different artwork, kind of related to the episode. Right. That's a big strength of Scooby-Doo. I'm not going to be talking about this every time, but just note, all the title cards are beautiful. 
beautiful sets of art. Um, this is an experience from start to end that is always great. So the setup for the episode is Scooby and Shaggy are walking home from the movies after Scooby kept him out to watch a cosmic dog show of some kind. Mm-hmm. A bit too late. Right. They see a abandoned pickup that we had seen in the intro. And then when they walk up on it, there's a knight in the seat. Yep. A black knight costume, like a full set of armor, is sitting in there, and the head falls off. And Sh- Scooby and Shaggy, like they always do, they get scared. So, it cuts quickly over to the rest of the gang brought in by the two to take a look. And we're not going to go blow for blow here, so... While they were searching, they found a thing that said where the knight was supposed to be going. Yep, which was the uh, Makani Museum that's kind of close. And it was supposed to be brought by Professor Hyde Jameson White. Hyde-White. <laughs> um, and so they decide to kind of report it and get it to the museum where it belongs. And that's when the museum curator tells them of the legend of the Dark Knight. So, or the Black Knight, sorry. The Black Knight is a very infamous Scooby character. Everyone that is probably even listening to this or knows what it is. A Scooby property, you can see it in your head, right? I mean, I have a burned mental image of the Black Knight just because of how classic of a Scooby villain it is. Of course, half of that is from the Scooby-Doo Night of 100 Frights <laughs> game. And I love that I game. That boss. But I hate the boss. <laughs> um, so, the legend of the Black Knight is that any time the full moon hits him, he comes alive. Now, this is actually where I got a kind of side tangent to tell you guys one thing about the Scooby series. Um, if you've never watched it. There is an implied rule of the series that has gone on so long, and the few times that I think any Scooby-Doo property falls on its face is when it breaks the rule that nothing supernatural goes down in this series. Everything has an eventual, real-life explanation. Now, I don't know about you, Britsy, but... I think that's actually a big strength of the series. I think so, too. Because it kind of keeps them limited to what they can do. You know, you they have to have a logical explanation for everything. I think that's one of the charms of it, mm-hmm. is that Halloween-style costume on every character. Like, um, I think even the ones that seem kind of like they're supernatural end up being somebody... Doing something. something. There's always someone doing a thing. Or a bit. Or there's a hologram. Making it look like it's It's, something that it's not. It's always something. So, if you're ever going to start off Scooby-Doo, that's something i got to tell you now. There is only supposed to be magic. Um, I think the only time it got away with magic, in my opinion, was Zombie Island. Yeah, I like Zombie Island. Other than some of the movies breaking that law, it kind of does stay to that formula. And when it doesn't in an episode, 
it falls on its face. That's the first complaint I will have about any Scooby property. Right. But fortunately, they never did it and were already. There's not a single episode that I'm aware of. And There's I not a single episode series. that I don't like. Yeah. I don't think they ever break the no magic rule or the no supernatural rule during right. Where Are You? And its timelessness shows that. So, it, it's basically the Black Knight episode. It kind of shows how to do a Scooby episode. Mm-hmm. It turns out, and this is where the kind of spoilery stuff comes in, they find magnifier glasses that were owned by the professor, and it kind of goes down a line until they find that in a mummy's um, uh, sarcophagus, they find a foraging painting studio where the uh, paintings in the museum are getting copied and then sold off um, uh, for a buck. Right. Now... All the while, Scooby and the gang are getting chased by the Black Knight, and it turns out, eventually, that's who's been doing it, was one of the museum curators, was the one who did it, and the professor had been mummified inside a different sarcophagus, I think it was. I I can't remember that part perfectly. You gotta realize that even though I've watched the episode recently, there's a couple little tiny little bits that do kind of escape me. Right. I think the forgery angle for this is really nice. Um, it does kind of throw a wrench or two in there to make the the mystery a little more juicy for you. But this is what I would call... It, it gives it that twist that it needs. I would call this a very standard Scooby episode. Though a good one, do know there are better ones than this. Mm-hmm. Like the Minor, minor 49er, uh, mm-hmm. the one with Captain Cutler, which is the next one we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Overall, do note that this is the beginning of a series. You gotta, you gotta get your legs, right? I mean, you gotta kind of watch for a while, because the good episodes are a little further on. Yeah, like, I think it becomes a classic in episode two or three. But... The good episodes are somewhere near the middle of the series, although all of them are great. Mm-hmm. Like, the really good, like, the juiciest ones are in the middle. Um, and that's just what I gotta say about the whole first episode. You can tell that it's the first episode. That's not really a bad thing. Right. Um... It does kind of subtly throw a hence towards what every character does in the series. Um, combined with episode two, you learn pretty much all you need to know about the mystery gang, um, which we'll talk more about them in episode two while we're covering it, because it has more kind of the character dynamics you'd want to know. So... One thing that's a little different about this first episode, it had a very weak kind of trap presence. I don't even think they did trap the mummy by themselves. No. I think... They had help, I think. Like, 
this was a very, very weak capture. But it did actually give us a pretty damn good conclusion. And for that reason, I just love this episode. Now onwards to the very next Scooby-Doo episode, which is... A clue for Scooby-Doo. Now, this is where I think the series got its legs in its punching way. You know, this is where you're going to see what a lot of the characters do. Right. And so we're going to, before we start this episode, talk generally. We're going to have to sit down and talk about the characters real quick. Um, like we do for um, some of the other cartoons, like in short-lived cartoons, how we talked about the Mystery Skull right. characters. Um, that's so who of, do we start with? So let's start what I'd call backwards. So first of all, let's talk about Fred. Mm-hmm. So Fred is the driver of the Mystery Machine. He is tall and lanky with blonde hair. Yep. He's got very broad shoulders. And he wears white and a white shirt and blue pants and then brown pants. Or brown shoes, sorry. And he has an orange ascot, some uh, that comes out of the shirt. And I think he has a blue. He's your, your your typical like jock. Yeah, he's basically implied jock, although it's very toned down in the first series. You're not going to notice a lot of jock-like features. Um, he's also a man who comes up with all of the traps to capture the bad guy. He's literally obsessed with it. <laughs> yeah. In later series, they bump that up to fucking 11. But, but here, you can just tell... It's just a hobby. The hobbyist uh, trap guy. He always does the traps. Um, mm-hmm. But other than being that, he does kind of have a flat personality like the rest of them. Now, because this is the 60s uh, and early 70s, I will have to give... And I think you guys will have to give all the characters a bit of a break for being as simple as they are. That is literally all I can say about Fred, and it's because of just how old the cartoon is that it's more to tell jokes, even right. though it has a deeper storyline. The That's characters kinda, are over simple. Kind of really all we can say about Fred, though. Yeah. Next, Daphne. Mm-hmm. So. She is a red-headed girl with, and she wears like a purple dress. With a green stripe on it. Um, and an ascot. Ascot again. Um, I think, was her original had the purple shoes and the lavender stockings? I don't think her, she had a green on her dress, so I think she had lavender on her. A lavender stripe. I know there's a stripe, but... But either huh. way, yeah, she was the one that had the there, there lavender a, shoes, yeah, yeah, and the stockings. Yeah, the lavender stockings and uh, purple shoes. Anyways, yes. um, the main thing about her is bland. I'm going to be yeah. honest. Yeah, she's she one of those typical, most... like, damsels in distress, uh, kind of yeah. prissy type girls. Yeah. Now, the thing is... A lot of people do say that's all there is to her. The the sad thing is, that's not all there is to her. There's a lot of nothing to her as well. Now, as much as I do love the whole Scooby gang, she 
gets a lot of a really good mileage in later series. Right. But here, whenever she's not in trouble, she kind of just exists. Um, there's a few hints that some, her and Freddy kind of like each other a lot. But that's really all there is to her. Plus, uh, there is one problem I have with her. And that is in, like, the beginning of the series. She's always getting everyone caught. Yeah. It's just... There, there's gotta be catch bait in a mystery show like this, and that's what she is. <laughs> Velma. I well, love Velma. Velma <laughs> she is your local genius. You know, she is very the one smart. Who kind of knows certain facts about anything in the environment. She's very knowledgeable, very well read. She wears glasses with a orange sweater. A red oh, skirt. A red skirt and then uh, orange. Black shoes. Or yeah, black shoes and. Uh, she's kind of got a red fro going. Or is her shoes orange? I can't remember. Yeah, she's got a reddish brown fro that she kind of wears down. Right. She's one of my and favorite characters. Square glasses. <laughs> she's very much typically a nerd. That's. I mean, I'd hate to put a. I was gonna say, I like guess that, that's why she's one of my favorites. She is. <laughs> she is the nerd stereotype incarnate, but by God, I will say that she's actually a lot better at being a girl than Daphne, if you ask me. Because <laughs> she's not like traditionally pretty. I do think she is a very nice looking character. But you can tell that they didn't try to put the 90210 energy in her. Right. I do like the design. I do I like, like that she's not, not that way. Extended in any way. Because usually if you had girls in this era. Oh. I pretty. hate when they act like that. <laughs> oh, I'm getting captured. You know, it's... it's like, Over the top way too much. You guys, if you watch the... Our streaming services killing cartoons episode. You know where I stand on this. I do not like the old school girl styling, and that extends heavily to this show and all other shows. I think they did them a lot better in the two thousands onwards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's just me linking at this point. So we talked about Freddy, Daphne, Velma. Shaggy. Ah, uh, he's one of my, one of my favorites. Now, him and Scooby, we're going to talk about together. They are they're two of my favorites. I like them and not da- or not Daphne of uh, Velma. Now, first of all, those are my three favorites. Shaggy's <laughs> real name is Norval. Um, and Scooby, I think his is Scoobert. Technically, I think so. Um. They are two very hungry and scared characters. Why we're talking about them at the same time is they've got practically the same traits, but it is a boy and his dog situation. So, right. of course, while that sounds like a bit of a backhand, I don't mean it in that way. It's just, it's actually a good character dynamic to have a boy and his dog be about the same. Um, Scooby... Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, he can speak English. He has a bit of a problem with the beginning of words, 
So he puts an R at the beginning of a lot of them. Um, like instead of saying Shaggy, he calls him Raggy. Yeah. I've always been sure that it's because they're trying to fit, like, the beginning of a dog sound. To make right. To sound more dog-like. Right. So, like, rough has an R in it, you know, I mean, it's... Right. It feels like a very dog thing if they would talk. That That's an awesome concept, though. Yeah. I think that I do like the way Scooby's speech is done, because <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of... It's so lovable. It feels a little more realistic in the world of talking animals when they right. can't talk perfectly. I know <laughs> that realistic talking animals isn't a really establishable term here, but <laughs> I feel like if a dog could talk, Scooby would be the model under which they would talk. I think it's a lot more likely that that's what they would do. Right. Um, Scooby snacks some uh, our Scooby-Doo's fuel. They are what makes him really courageous. If someone needs to convince him to do something you don't want to, you will be told, if you do it, I'll give you a Scooby snack. Now, why am I telling you all this? It's because we do have to set up these characters, if we're talking Scooby. Um, all of you have probably been waiting for me to continue with episode two, but that's all of the characters and that's all you need to know about them. Um, this is mostly for people... Who have not watched the show yet. Um, so, <laughs> here we go. Episode 2. And that is a clue for Scooby-Doo, like we said earlier. So it starts out at Rocky Point Beach with Scooby surfing. Yep. And, of course, Shaggy's trying to make food for everyone. When all of a and sudden... The other three are kind oh, of just lollygagging about the beach. Right. This is where you're going to see a lot of the character dynamics we right. just talked about. All in that few seconds, you're going to see all the characters doing exactly, exactly what, what they what like we doing. Just <laughs> from, uh, apart from Scooby Doo, who is surfing <laughs> and now, having lots of fun. Um, Shaggy says that Scooby, where's Scooby? I need him to help me. And then Scooby, when he puts his paw, paw in the water, he. It's a diving suit. And then Not the diving suit? any diving suit. I'm trying to go too fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're excited. <laughs> Anyways, so he hits a diving suit. And it is none other than the ghost of Captain Cutler. Um, is what we find out later. Now, this is a perfect time to bring up how I said that there is no supernatural things in this series. Um, and we'll go back to why Which uh, suit is glowing ghostly glue. We'll, we'll get back into that later, though. Yeah. But I'm trying to paint the visual. We've got a ghostly green glowing scuba diving gear. Person. person. Thing. <laughs> and he is covered in seaweed. And... As soon as Shaggy sees it, he gets in an umbrella, shuts it on himself, and won't come out. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
everyone sees the ghost, and so they kind of regroup around Shaggy's umbrella. I think after it ends up disappearing, they try to get him out of the umbrella. And he looks like a fucking beach umbrella-style banana. (laughs) He pops his head out the top, and they start talking about going back to see what it is, only to realize that he disappeared, leaving only some shoe prints that lead into the water that are glowing the green And then Scooby, he finds this uh, glowing piece that came off of the diving suit and fights with a rat over it. And then he gets chewed out by... Oh, I was going to say he gets chewed out by the rat. Yeah, that's later. Okay. Um, So... I'm going too fast. (laughs) At this point, they go and see somebody named Ebenezer Shark. <laughs> and they kind of tell him, they tell the gang the story of Captain Cutler and how he died. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of just goes that when he died, he started to sink ships in order to get his revenge. Yachts and boats and stuff keep disappearing from the marina. And they think it's Captain Cutler trying, trying to, to get his revenge. His among the ships to regain revenge. So then they are told of a witch. Now, you guys, again, no supernatural things. Don't the witch end up being the. Uh... But yes, this is Captain okay. Cutler's wife. So there are no supernatural things mm-hmm. in here. However, you'll know that they never really have the witch doing anything magical. Right. What looks like a it's a kettle of potion ends up being her like laundry. laundry thing. It's, it's a fun. It ends up being scene. her laundry because Scooby takes a drink. And so she claims <laughs> to have risen Captain Cutler's ghost. In order to be back with him again, which I think is a very sad setup and a very beautiful one. Right. And so she tells them a little bit of this and that, but honestly, she doesn't really give a lot of clues about it. So the main thing to take away from Ebenezer and the witch is simply that something I forgot to mention Ebenezer had a very suspicious-looking diving suit. It wasn't glowing. Scooby had found it and started wrestling with it. Um, I hate to actually do these kind of things out of order because that's annoying, but that's something that's very important to note, is they tried to make Ebenezer Shark look really suspicious This is kind of that classic red herring type situation where you think it's one thing. But it's really something else. It's really something else. So, as the episode progresses, they jump into some scuba gear to try to catch Captain Cutler and find some clues in a sunken shipyard. Um, So they kind of do that for a while. They start finding clues here and there, including... A big, big set of um, uh, scuba tanks underwater. Right. And eventually they come across 
a big cave full of the, like, missing boats and stuff. All throughout the episode, just like with the Black Knight episode, while all of this is happening, you kind of get just interstitial, you know, bad guy chases them away or tries to divert them from the truth and clues and stuff. You know, it's it's the classic setup of how to do a mystery cartoon. And as much the as best it's funny to talk about, it's kind of funny to talk about general mystery cartoons whenever this might as well have invented the genre. <laughs> but it's really exactly what you're expecting. Right. Until the capture scene happens. Now, this was the first trap that had been in the series that was really worth noting. But another thing to note is that this one failed. It failed miserably. It failed horribly. But the failure ended up catching him anyways. Thanks to a, a Thanks kind to of Scooby. problem by Scooby-Doo. Um, it ends up getting him. Because it ends up with the boat, or the little boat that Scooby was on, actually smashing down on his the, head. Yeah, smashed over the bad guy. And this is where we get a really good unmasking scene. Finding that Captain Cutler is fully alive and is the one posing as the ghost. And that they were stealing it because... Or stealing the boats because they had some type of, like, precious gems or something. Yeah. Basically, they were trying to hide a massive criminal secret. And so... You get the old man Rivers style of, uh, I would have gotten away with it line. Just like if it wasn't for you meddling kids. <laughs> and your stupid dog. <laughs> um, and that's where the scene ends. Now, thinking these two episodes that we've just talked about. <laughs> first of all, we're sorry if we left a lot of detail out. But the problem is, if we were to talk about the episodes... In full. In full, it would be too long. And it would go down to talking about how jokes work. And that's not really what we're here for. We're just here to kind of give a general concept of it. So, let's rate these episodes. Because that's, that's kind of what I think we'll do. Is we'll talk about some episodes, then rate them. So, What a Night for a Night gets a 6 for me. Just due to the originality of it. But, ultimately, this is an Seven episode for me. 1. <laughs> That is obviously in episode one. It's a good episode. It shows what the show is, and it shows a bit about the characters. Not That's why I gave it a seven. Strong as your typical episode. I was gonna say that's why I gave it a seven instead of a ten. Yeah. So a clue for Scooby Doo gets a solid eight from me. I'll give that I... one a ten because it's one of my favorites. Yeah. While I do think it's a super solid episode, I have not watched a lot of episodes in forever. So I want to leave a little room on the scale if I like an episode more than it. Right now, functionally, it is the best episode um, that we've rated. I'll give it a 10 for now. Yeah. So Unless another one comes along. Yeah. There can be more than one 10. Because I haven't seen Scooby just, in a while either. I know that there's going to be better. Because this is such an early time. But, mm-hmm. 
honestly, ladies and gents, like Scooby Doo, franchise that I will love forever and mm-hmm. ever and ever. And it'll always be my favorite. It's it's got a lot of cool stuff going on in it that just always makes me smile. <laughs> so we do have a mode the end here. It is a little bit of a shorter episode, but. With these kind of talk about individual cartoon episodes, you're going to get that. Um, I do absolutely love this cartoon. I think it's a solid, solid cartoon. Plus the shortness is kind of the point of these little podcasts here. Yeah. Um, Unlike a lot of the podcast episodes where they're discussions, these ones are almost review-like in structure and kind of tells you what each episode is. So, I hope you guys have enjoyed, and the second Scooby episode, and I'm going to be announcing this now since we know we're doing it, there will be four, count them four at least, in October going up for bonus episodes, (laughs) thanks to the Halloween season. So, volume two of this cartoon review set will be out in October alongside three other awesome episodes. Get excited. Y'all are gonna enjoy it. Let's put it that <laughs> way. Either way, my name's been John the Nerdy. That has been Brit. She's the beautiful. And, and we, we will, will see, see you, you in the next podcast. <laughs> Ciao!